0: And welcome back to the Outbreak Podcast, an outlet for discussing creativity and the great beyond. We also discuss everything from gaming to film to the dark and dreary corners of the internet. I'm your host on this wild ride, William Key. This is episode 85. How's everybody doing today? Uh, one thing I want to note at the beginning—I normally mention this at the end—but I was thinking about this as I was listening to another podcast today. You know, I typically have my my. You know bullet points that i tackle at the end of the show but i wanted to kind of make a mention of one specifically call it out because it's something that i haven't really talked about much or i didn't give too much detail on but as you guys know of course the show is hosted on anchor.fm uh and when you post it on anchor it, it distributes distributes the show to all of your listening platforms. So if you're listening to this podcast on Apple or Spotify, I do encourage you guys, if you are listening, and you you don't listen to the end of the episode, but I wanted to mention this at the beginning. If you guys are listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave a five-star review. It was something I discovered like a year or two ago that reviews from, say, people listening in America or other countries don't actually show up if you're Canadian, I would absolutely love to to see a review as well. If you're American, please drop a five star review and even leave a review. Send me a link to it. I, I want to see. I want to be a, get a chance to go back to reading them on the show. Currently, I've got five ratings on the show so far. Um, you know, all five stars. Thank you. Every- so much to everybody who's rated and reviewed but that's something i'd like to encourage people if you you are a fan of this show if you do enjoy a rating on your favorite podcasting show platform whatever would mean so much to me as i continue to do this as i strive to push to episode 100 i'm getting so close now and and it's it's within my grasp i'm almost there but that's, that's a little bit of housekeeping, uh, put that aside. Let's talk about some personal updates and then we're going to get into what I've been playing and a quick, uh, couple of quick discussions before we go into the news. We have a lot to talk about today. It's a jam-packed show. Uh, but first off, I want to talk about um, my personal updates. It's not often that I get to send Finn away for the weekend. You know, most of the time it's either myself or Sam is watching you know, Finn at home, or we leave the camera with her parents. But we decided to send Finn away to my sister-in-law's house for the weekend uh, so that Sam can attend a a rugby event as she was finishing her rugby season this summer. And I actually engaged in something called Slip and Slide Flip Cup with her rugby teammates. So it was really cold on Saturday night uh, when I engaged in this Slip and Slide Flip Cup. There were people on her team that, you know, with their sort of muscle mass and their dexterity and I guess physical endurance can slide across the slip and slide like a bunch of penguins. I, for one, got on this slip and slide and I only made it about halfway and I had to sort of swim the rest of the way. Um, And the person who was using the hose was spraying it so much that even the grass was getting slippery. So when I got to the table around the second or third round, I slipped and I fell and I hit the side of the table. People actually thought I hit my head off the table, but that is not true. I hit my hand on the table. I came very close. And there was even one point that I, I royally fucked up because one person was coming back from my team and I didn't even recognize. I I had completely forgotten they were on my team. I guess that shows just how much I was drinking that night. Uh, so I went and then I stopped and I'm like, wait, he's not on my team. And then I'm like, wait, he is on my team. So I did this little dance before I entered the slip and slide. And fell on my ass and I had to like basically get a running start. Uh thankfully I didn't break any bones that night cuz I feel like every time I do a slip and slide and that's not often. I think I can count maybe on two hands how many times I've done a slip and slide in my life. It feels I feel like it never ends well. There's always a cut, a scrape, a bruise, bumping into somebody not unintentionally. Yeah, the fact that I hit the table with my hand, it was a close call. It could have been my face that probably would have ended bad. So that was sort of a fun uh, outing that we had last weekend. I do want to go over a couple of things that I've been playing and watching. As as I probably mentioned last week, I actually don't remember if I mentioned last week. I did go back to the library, re-rented God of War as well as two other games. So I'm pushing through on God of War. I think I put another 10 to 15 hours into this game. It, this game is way longer than I was expecting. Uh, but I'm I'm really, really enjoying the story, and I'm really enjoying the combat. As frustrating as it can be sometimes, I'm grasping the concept of the combat. And I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I'm having a lot of fun with a lot of the abilities that you get. Um, some of the chest armor, waist armor, talismans, and then a special abilities that you can unlock for both your character and Atreus as you go and progress throughout the game. I'm sort of nerfing uh, Atreus because I'm finding that he is sort of my, his character is supposed to play as a distraction. You know, your one control of Atreus is on the square button on PlayStation because it's a PlayStation game. And so I'm using him as sort of a distraction and anybody who I'm looking at and I press square, he automatically shoots him with an arrow and he seems to, um, unless he gets caught in combat where he's caught by somebody, he's relatively invincible. Uh, So I'm using that to my advantage and also sort of, I'm loving the sort of tuck and dodge roll mechanics of the game as well. And I'm absolutely loving this whole like throwing the axe and retrieving it like Thor's hammer thing. Like I'm trying to use that wherever I can for shielded enemies, for example, tossing the axe just to the left of them, moving in in line with the enemy and retracting it. So it's hitting them in the back. It sort of takes them off of their defensibility and allows me to kind of go in for the kill. Otherwise, using Atreus, and he has either like light arrows or shock arrows that he can sort of penetrate the defenses that way. number of different ways to play this game, uh, and the enemy variations are, are stunning, you know what I mean? It's, there's a ton of different enemies, different ways to sort of fight different types of enemies, big enemies, small enemies, and then different mini-bosses that you come across in the world, having a lot of fun. I am hoping that I can finish God of War before I return it in the middle of September, so I can start one of the other two games that I rented, which were Persona 5 or Days Gone. According to my last poll that I did, it was tied 50-50 between Days Gone and Persona 5. I might lean into Persona just because it is a game that I don't normally tackle. And it was another game, of course, that I rented on a whim, much like when I rented God of War the last time I had also rented Kenna Bridge of Spirits but I never got around to that one so I think I might actually pop Persona 5 in next I do want to talk about a couple of shows that I've been watching quickly I want to mention I started uh, on Netflix Harlan Coben's The Stranger and I'm not very far into it so I don't have a lot of thoughts on it it is a very obscure show about a character um, played by Hannah John Kamen who's known as The Stranger who has this sort of like mysterious backstory, um, she seems to know a lot of things about certain characters uh, in this town and is kind of giving them all this information and is going on a bit of a mystery. And these characters are then, you know, thrust into not really knowing too much about their current situation. It's kind of a bad way of describing the story. First first episode, for example, her character approaches this man and tells Him that his wife is not all she's tracked up to be, and has been making secret purchases and is leading a double life essentially, which leaves him questioning how come he knows so much about my family, how come he knows so much about my wife, and he had to start doing some digging. All the while, there's this like murder mystery story that's going on, that's sort of like an underlying second story, which could very well be the main uh, plot point, but this stranger character is just sort of weaving. Her way in and out of people's lives. Uh, I think it was a show that my dad actually recommended to me about two years ago and I just it kind of was sitting on my list to watch and I just never took the plunge but I was scrolling around on Netflix um, a couple days ago and thought to myself like I've been doing a lot of scrolling I should just click a show and start it and so I clicked it because it, it was a relatively short show. I think it's only a season long. Otherwise, as well, I started She-Hulk Attorney at Law, of course, on Disney+, two episodes into it, and I am really, really enjoying She-Hulk so far. I think as much as I was enjoying Miss Marvel, but it's, I think Miss Marvel still has the edge. I just, I really like what they're doing with this show, and they're keeping the episodes shorter, more concise. The fourth wall breaking, though, does seem a little bit awkward. Uh, I know that it was an element that they were trying to tie to this character in sort of this like mockumentary style comedy. It, the fourth wall breaking isn't really working at the moment. Um, I think it is just kind of out of place. And I think it's better reserved for somebody like the Deadpool character who that's sort of more of a facet of his character. Though I've heard in the comics that She-Hulk does break the fourth wall as well. I don't know. Maybe it'll make more sense as, as the, as the show develops. Uh, but right now, I'm loving everything else About the show Finally I want to talk about The rehearsal Over at HBO Which is this very Obscure surrealist Comedy Drama From Nathan Fielder I talked about it On the last podcast So I won't really go Too much more into it But I did finish the series And my word Did this show Get weird I mean It was already a weird show But it was Layers upon layers Upon layers Of story To unravel And Nathan Fielder as I mentioned, he, he's sort of putting on these rehearsals for people who have some big sort of like news or uh, an event that needs to unfold and they want it to unfold a certain way. So Nathan Fielder is basically hired to help them sort of practice for that moment, whether it be hiring actors to sort of impersonate this person's like friends or family that they're going to be revealing in this scenario. All the while, there's this uh, overarching storyline with this woman who's pr- You know, wants to know what it's like to be a mom. Um, And so Nathan Fielder set her up in this house with uh, child actors who uh, age like basically every night from an infant to like 18 years old to simulate motherhood at different stages of life to see if she can do it. And Nathan Fielder inserts himself into the role of the father and eventually is now taking part in, in his own rehearsal while also having to take part in planning other people's rehearsals. But then it just gets, it goes completely off the rails by the last two episodes, when things just start to get a little too real, and it starts to blur the line between what's reality and what's not reality. Like I said, the show got renewed for season two, so Lord knows if they're going to kind of do like a soft reboot and just do a completely new story, or if they're going to continue with the story that was starting to unravel at the end of season one, because it basically feels as if the idea of the rehearsal has basically just done. That's all I've been watching and playing at the moment. I want to do a quick discussion opinion piece before I get into the main news. Actually, there's two. Th- yeah, for, so this is like an opinion piece. I actually just learned about this today. And I'm, I just want to say, what the fuck, Harmonix? You guys all know, Harmonix is the company that is known for rock band. And today, they literally just announced the very first three-song track pack for Muse. And I just want to say, what the fuck, Harmonix? Why did you wait so long to make a Muse track pack? You waited until I have been six or seven years away from the game and not buying any more songs to release my favorite band. And not to mention, one of the songs on this three-song set pack is one of my favorite Muse songs, which is Starlight. So they, they revealed today that um, Nights of Sidonia, Starlight, and one of their new singles from their upcoming album Will of the People, which is called Won't Stand Down, are going to be released as part of a three-song set pack. It's coming out on September 1st tomorrow, and I am disappointed because I had been on the Rock Band forums 13 plus years ago begging for Muse, and I know that there was like some sort of licensing thing that, you know, prevented Muse from being allowed to put songs on the game. I understand that, but come on. Like, you waited until Muse got to their ninth album. You've had albums and albums between this. How did you? How did it take so long to get this band on this game? It's just disappointing. That that's literally all I had to say about it. What the fuck, Harmonix? Like this is why are you doing this to me, man? I'm happy they're finally on the game. Don't get me wrong, but I haven't. I've been so far removed from Rock Band, and I don't buy any more songs. In fact, the last time I played Rock Band was like a year and a half ago. All my stuff has basically been moved to the shed because I have no room for it here in my apartment. It's disappointing. I do want to move on to uh, some quick news stories. One to start off that actually was announced uh, late last week, and it was in a blog post from CEO Jim Ryan over at Sony. Effectively, uh, Sony PlayStation 5 in select markets across Europe, as well as the Middle East, Africa, Asia Pacific, Latin America, and Canada, with no price increase coming to the United States. I'm not going to go over all the prices, but over in Canada, the price is going up to $650 Canadian. That's for the PlayStation 5 with Ultra HD Blu-ray disc. And the digital version is going to remain at $520.99. They say that, of course, that this price is a necessity given the current global economic environment and its impact on Sony Entertainment's business. Their top priority continues to be improving the PlayStation 5 supply situation so that many players can... As possible, can experience everything that PlayStation has to offer. I don't really have much to say on this because I think everybody has sort of beaten this story to death. Nobody's happy with the price increase, but why didn't the price increase go up in the US? That, I feel like that wasn't addressed. If somebody has the answer to this, please let me know. But, you know, it's bad enough with inflation, but I knew it was already expensive enough to get a PlayStation 5. It was super, super challenging to even get one at the price it was before, but now it's become like way less attainable and i'm usually three or four years removed from the release of consoles like i mentioned i only just got my switch last year and it had already been on the market for about four years at this point so i don't see myself getting a playstation 5 right away but the only problem is that i'm seeing that the current life cycle for the playstation 4 could end as early as 2023 And by when I mean life cycle, I mean they could stop making games for the PlayStation 4 by 2023 as they're shifting ahead to PlayStation 5. But what's going to happen if they don't catch up with the supply chain issues and then they're releasing all these games to the PlayStation 5, but then there's a huge market of people who are still on PlayStation 4 that can't access these games. I think that they're hoping that the price increase will deter people from purchasing PlayStation 5s while they catch up to the supply chain but then it also kind of rubbed more salt in the wound when Microsoft and Nintendo came out right away and basically said, well, our consoles are not going to increase in price. I'm not happy about the price hikes. Nobody is. You know, we'll wait and see how this is going to affect everything. But staying on the PlayStation bandwagon, there's a bit of a positive story coming out of PlayStation. It was announced this week that PlayStation has officially agreed to acquire a company called Savage Game Studios, which is a mobile game developer. Uh, So Savage Game Studios is gonna be joining PlayStation Studios, and like any other first party developer, it will be doing so as part of the newly created PlayStation Studios mobile division. So the exact terms of this deal were not announced. Herman Holst, who's the head of PlayStation Studios, had said, Today we announced that we have entered into a definitive agreement to acquire Savage Game Studios, a hugely talented team of creatives with many years of experience making some of the most popular mobile games enjoyed by players around the world. They were founded a few years ago with the goal of fearlessly exploring bold new ideas. We share their tireless ambition to innovate along with a continued drive to expand our audience and bring PlayStation to more people than ever before, making them a perfect fit to join PlayStation studios. You know, I already saw some discussion as to like potential ideas for games that could be made. When you think PlayStation studios buying a mobile game, you instantly think, okay, so what, first-party IP is going to end up on mobile first. Somebody had said Destiny, possibly, since PlayStation's only uh, just acquired Bungie not too long ago. You know, Destiny seems like a possible choice considering COD is also on mobile devices. I was talking to somebody on Twitter about Ratchet & Clank could also make for a good mobile game. I'm going to kind of put a pin in this because this will actually be part of our uh, poll question later in the show, but that was sort of the main main part of the story is that Sony is launching this mobile games division, so there is going to be emphasis on making mobile games as well as making first-party titles for PlayStation 5. I made a joke that it's probably going to be something like a like Uncharted or, or Spider-Man God of War-style temple-run game because I can't honestly picture anything other than something that could be akin to a Temple Run game. So in a story from Polygon, as we're moving forward, a French YouTuber had actually come out and said that the next Assassin's Creed game is going to be returning to the series' roots, and this uh, was partially corroborated by well-known Bloomberg industry writer Jason Schreier. So the game's title, working title, is Assassin's Creed Mirage, and its setting is going to be late 9th century Baghdad, Um, And according to Jason Schreier, these uh, rumors are actually correct. Now, apparently back in February, Bloomberg had reported that the game, which was initially codenamed Rift, was originally set to be an expansion to Assassin's Creed Valhalla and star a popular supporting character from that game, Basim. Now, Bloomberg did say in July that this Rift Mirage game was in development at Ubisoft's Bordeaux studio and had been delayed from a February 2023 launch to the following spring. So other details that this French YouTuber Jonathan shared, but Schreier did not comment on. Uh, RPG elements would be in the game, such as dialogue choices, leveling, and gender choice. Because the player character is Basim, are not present. The eagle vision power that was last seen in 2015's Assassin's Creed Syndicate would return, but so does the drone bird that players could use to observe and mark enemies in the three most recent games. As well, Ubisoft is secretly developing a remake of the original Assassin's Creed using much of the work and assets created for Mirage. Much will be revealed during the Ubisoft Forward online event on September 10th, which the publisher announced back in July. So Polygon has reached out to Ubisoft for a comment, but Ubisoft hasn't responded back. This was pitched as something that Jason Schreier had confirmed is partially true. I think that this is indeed legit i do think that we are going to see a new assassin's creed game come september i believe that this is pretty definitive details towards this game especially the setting especially the name uh, the fact that this has been rumored for a couple of months now you know i i can't remember the, it has been a while since we've seen an assassin's creed game and i know they've been sitting out of the spotlight for a while to let the game sort of settle and breathe uh, from, I believe, the last one, which was Valhalla. I think that came out in 2019 or 2020. So it's been enough time since then. I think that they've had enough time to sort of work on a new Assassin's Creed return to the game's series roots because Valhalla, while Valhalla, I played a little bit of it and it was fun for the time, did not feel like a traditional Assassin's Creed game or what I thought would be an Assassin's Creed game. So I feel like with the new setting of in this Mirage game, if it is true, uh, we'll return it to the roots, I would assume, the early day Assassin's Creed from like 2007-2008. So, we'll find out come uh, September 10th if that is true. There have been some rumors... According to GamesBeat Managing Editor Mike Minotti and Giant Bomb Reporter Jeff Grubb, who are speaking on a podcast this week, that there is going to be a Nintendo Direct presentation in September. September is going to be a big month, okay? We've got this Ubisoft Forward. We've got D23, the Disney Day. So we've got a bunch of Marvel Studio announcements coming. But there's also a mini di- uh, Nintendo Direct that may potentially be focused on some Zelda announcements, and they're calling it a Zelda blowout. Potential things that could be announced at this Zelda Direct are ports of the Wind Waker and Twilight Princess for the Switch. One of them, I think this was Jeff Grubbs said that it was 100% that there's gonna be a Nintendo Direct in September. It, there is still some uncertainty about whether it's gonna be a general Direct, maybe a Mini. There was some t- talk about being a partner Direct. And he added, if they're going to have Zelda stuff there, this is not a partner Direct. And those are the things that we've been hearing. The specifics that were, that were name-dropped were Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD ports to the Switch. I would be speculating that would be happening right now while we wait for the runner up to breath of the wild too. Uh, and yet we have heard that we've heard other things again, Metroid prime remaster. That sounds like it's got to be announced. at something like this. So I heard about this on a podcast yesterday. I wasn't sure which show it was, but the twilight princess and wind waker, as well as a Metroid prime, I think trilogy remaster. I think it might've been in four player podcast to be honest, but it's hard to say. I've come to expect that this was probably the case for these old GameCube games. I think we got a Skyward Sword HD recently. I I believe on the Wii U it was ported. And then it's been a while since we've seen Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, but it only makes sense that they would do an HD remasters. Uh, It's been a while since we've uh, seen those games and... To think that you know there's probably a side team working on cleaning these up, uh, while people wait for Breath of the Wild 2 because Breath of the Wild came out in 2017 2018 around there, so it's been a couple years. I just want to see some new news about Breath of the Wild 2. I think it's been long enough. I know the game got delayed till the spring but I just want to see some more gameplay. I think we got a sn- short little snippet at their last uh, trailer uh, when they did announce that it was going to get delayed. That's the stuff that I really care about. I, I mean, I never did play Wind Waker or Twilight Princess, so honestly, like, it could be a no better time than now if it does get announced to pick these games up and try them. But I also have Link's Awakening on my radar as well as one I want to try. So we'll see. We'll see if... Uh, these rumors do come out to be true. So our next story is relatively interesting. I don't really know how much I have to talk to this. It's more like an announcement. Um, so following a surprise return in Shang-Chi, actor Ben Kingsley is reportedly set to return in this upcoming, still hasn't been officially announced Wonder Man series at Disney+. Plus. He's going to be returning to play Trevor Slattery if you guys don't know, Trevor Slattery has been around the block for a while, more than a decade. His character showed up first in Iron Man 3 as a character posing as the Mandarin, turned out to be an actor that was hired to play the Mandarin. And then he popped up again in Shang-Chi with a much more, but like a much bigger role uh, that sort of fleshed him out and had welcomed him back to the uh, the MCU. Well, now it seems like he's going to be making an appearance on Wonder Man. And that kind of makes sense because the character of Wonder Man, Simon Williams, I believe is an actor. Uh, so that's where I could see those characters sort of aligning in that way. But because we haven't got the official announcement, like Wonder Man hasn't officially been announced. It's been, it's in development, but until we get the official announcement, which will most likely be coming at D23, considering that we're getting casting news of Ben Kingsley joining the show. I, I think that they just need to slot it in somewhere within The um, Phase 5 or 6 Or it could very well be Phase 7 We, It's very possible that We're going to be seeing some release dates Past Secret Wars I was thinking today About some of the potential movies That have yet to be announced Even though we know a bunch of them that are in development Like Spider-Man 4 for example People think that that's going to come before Secret Wars But to be honest It would almost make more sense to come after And sort of kick off Phase 7 because I believe in the comics he picks up the alien costume during the events of secret wars or before secret wars. And because we know that now the venom symbiote exists in the MCU following no way home. I feel like that story shouldn't get picked up until one of the Avengers films, uh, where Spider-Man may make an appearance. He might pick it up and it be part of the story. And then, you know, with the fantastic four, uh, being in the MCU, they could sort of help to sort of identify what it is because I think they do so in the comics. I know, I'm sorry. I'm getting away from the actual, like, main story here. Like I said, I don't really have much to say to this. It's just, it's Ben Kingsley. Trevor Slattery is coming back. I I liked him in Shang-Chi. I thought that his role felt appropriate for this universe. And considering that he was tied to the Ten Rings in Iron Man 3, it makes sense that he was brought back in for this film to sort of continue this character arc and see where he's been all this time. Finally, I want to talk about our last story today, which is I filed it under a gaming slash meme news. Warner brothers has apparently filed a uh, trademark for the meme character, big chungus. Do y'all know who big chungus is? It's his meme of version of bugs bunny that, With this trademark being filed, people are speculating that Big Chungus may be coming to WB's Multiverses video game. So, because the trademark was filed by Warner Brothers, who was the publisher of Multiverses, VGC reporter Andrew Marmo had called attention to the trademark, which doesn't necessarily confirm Big Chungus for the free-to-play fighting game, but Big Chungus has already been featured in a number of different platforms, a number of different areas, including the mobile game Looney Tunes World of Mayhem. So him popping up in multiverses could very well be likely. I mean, you know, if you were to ask us 10 years ago if that'd be a case, probably not. But now you've got this game multiverses which pits characters like Arya Stark against LeBron James as well as, like, you know, Ultra Instinct Shaggy. You know, it's not outside the realm of possibility to think that Big Chungus could be showing up as a fighter. I think Bugs Bunny's already in the game, so then you get an alt-costume Bugs Bunny as Big Chungus. You know, he might be my draw to actually go and and try this game because it's free to play. I was already thinking about that today. I'm like, I, I should just go to download it because I can play it offline, right? It's not like a completely online game. I can just play it for fun, right? I hope that if Big Chungus does come to the game though, that he is free. He is free DLC because I would totally, I would totally main Big Chungus. I don't. I don't really have much else to say to this story. Unfortunately, it's just it's just funny. It's funny that it was actually the first story that I found this week that added to the uh, the lineup. And so I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to talk about this. I I was really hoping that other stories would come uh, that were more important than this one. Because this I would have hated to, for this to be the top story of the day. But here we are. We are coming to the end of the show. And I want to go over our uh, responses from last week's poll question. I have been off base before. You know, I'm not perfect. I am not a perfect man. That's why I host a show. Uh, And my thoughts are not gospel. I I don't ever want you to listen to my opinion and say, well, that is the correct opinion. That's because it's just an opinion. The reason why I say this is because on last week's show, I made a bold claim stating that I thought that more people were going to say that they were not excited for HBO's The Last of Us television show as I did ask him my question from last week, do you think HBO's The Last of Us show will be any good? I thought it was gonna lean heavily to the no side because I thought people were gonna be uh, much more in line with the game and did not want to see a video game adaptation. I was wrong, I was very wrong. With 10 votes on At Will Key, everybody said yes. They were excited for the show. I'm like, where did these people come from? There's seriously nobody here that isn't it is that thinks that's gonna be like dog shit? Maybe it's just that I don't have enough faith in my audience, and I apologize for that. I apologize that I did not in, in good faith believe in you guys. Um, you know, next time maybe I'll stick a little more closer to the middle, as I as I typically tend to do, as I'm supposed to remain somewhat unbiased in a lot of these situations as I'm coming at this from a journalistic standpoint. I am excited for The Last of Us show. Uh, And I've I've mentioned this a couple of times in different episodes. I think that I just felt as if maybe I was the only one that was excited, but I I guess not. I mean, I guess guess everybody's excited. I mean, what's not to be exciting? It's HBO. It's Neil Druckmann is basically producing. He's like an executive producer, I believe, on the show, and he's the creator of the game. So how is this going to fail? The only way it's going to fail is if it's, a poor direction and poor script, but if it's based around the first game, I don't see how it could fail. The only way it could fail could be if it does get renewed for season two, and then they got to kind of fill in the gaps between Last of Us one and two. That's the only way I can see, but that's the future. Let's worry about the now. You know, this show's going to drop sometime next year, and it'll drop. It'll be pretty good success. I feel like it will turn more people on to the Last of Us than ever before. So we'll see. Now, now my new poll question for this week is a four-way answer. It could go any way, but feel free to comment, too, on the poll question if one of these responses didn't show up here. The question is tied to the mobile division of Sony acquisition of Savage Game Studios. I wanted to ask you guys, which Sony first-party IP would make a good mobile entry? Uh, so I chose Spider-Man, God of War, Ratchet and & Clank, and Horizon if you guys feel like Destiny would be, then throw Destiny in the comments. Like, let me know, and I'll read some of the responses on next week's uh, next week's podcast. As I mentioned, this question is now available on Twitter over at my personal Twitter account at Will Key, and the results of the poll will be read on next week's episode, as well as any comments or suggestions you guys may have. I will read whatever you guys throw in there. So let me know. I was going to place some bets. Perhaps I think that. Possibly Ratchet and Clank only because the the people I was talking to on Twitter I think it was at Player 2 like the Player 2 podcast had put Ratchet and Clank in and as I sat and thought about it I'm like yeah actually Ratchet and Clank would make a good mobile entry and because we haven't seen a Ratchet and Clank game since Rift Apart last year um, yeah I would like to see more Ratchet and Clank I think it's the friendliest um, probably most user-friendly game of characters that you could put on a mobile entry So we'll see We'll see um, what you guys think So this brings us to the end of the show Thank you guys so much for tuning in You can head over to my blog wkey.wordpress.com Where when I remember to I will post feature length articles News pieces or general opinions on anything I find interesting Problem with that is that I don't make my, myself a uh, Workback calendar or schedule So I don't tend to write much Because of my full time job I'm writing all the time So I don't usually have the energy uh, but I do promote the, the blog if you guys do want to tune in. I have a lot of old pieces too if you want to read, but check back like once a month or whatever. That's that's sort of my soft recommendation. I will, I, I know I say it all the time, but I will try to bring myself to post more. I think I just need to set myself to a schedule. That That's what I'm going to do. But over on social media, that's where I'm a little more active. So this podcast Twitter account is at Podcast Outbreak, but please feel free to follow me on my tw- personal Twitter account, which is at Will Key, That's spelled with two E's. If you want to search me up on TikTok or search me up on Redbubble, where you can find two shirt designs, uh, search at William Outbreak. Uh, As well, you can join my Discord server or subscribe to my uh, Zero Video YouTube channel. I don't even know why I mention these two links because they're not really that active, but both are available in the show notes below. As I mentioned at the start of the show, uh, we are on anchor.fm. Anchor.fm backslash The Outbreak Podcast. This show can be found anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. That includes Apple, Spotify, Google, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music Plus Audible, TuneIn Plus Alexa, Castro CastBox, all all across the map. I do encourage you guys, if you can and you're listening to this, please leave a five-star review. Let me know um, why you like the show, uh, whether it be my, my dry sense of humor or my witty banter, my you know cool calm demeanor or as josh from the formerly minus morning show used to tell me all the time the golden voice Uh, i think i just play it up now because he just literally he stroked my ego so hard that i just exploded all over the mic yeah this show is rated explicit by the way so kids probably shouldn't be listening to this thank you guys so much for listening to this episode as we hit closer to our road to 100 have yourselves a great night